What's up, everybody? Welcome into the man room. I am your host, Marcus Bridges, and uh, very sorry that we have not been around. I created scheduling conflicts and dropped them like bombs on everyone that was supposed to join me. Uh, there's Delta variants out there. We'll get to all that shit coming up. Don't forget that you can find us any place you find podcasts and on YouTube. Donate to the show, uh, themanroompodcast.com. That type of stuff always helps. We're always trying to make it better and also... Uh, just get more guests in here, which I have, I'm very excited for. The very first female that's joined me on the Man Room Podcast today, she is Eugene Weekly's 2020 Best Comedian in Eugene, as voted by her peers, and her name is Angie Bloomfield. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, thanks. Yeah, yeah how's it going? <laughs> Pretty good. I'm here. I made it. Yes, you did, and uh, and can't say the same for another guest we had booked. I've been trying. I wanted to get a couple of Eugene female comedians in here because you guys blow me away every time I see you on stage. Uh, pretty much all of you, to be honest with you. And uh, between my vacation, Delta variants, and quarantines, it has been an absolute shit show. So you just taking the time to be here means a lot. Really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. And uh, we're safely distanced as if it matters. I mean, yeah, we're in the same room, but uh, I won't be like coughing loudly or, or spitting when I talk, hopefully. So. All right. I'll try to do the same. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are drinking today, and this is actually a new one for me. I've never had it before. Uh, this is Pacific Sparkling Cider, or excuse me, Pacific Sparkling Seltzer. And this is the Marionberry Lemon Twist flavor. I guess I should probably switch over so the cameras can see this. Um, I've never had it before. So you're introducing me to something very new. This is one of your, one of your go-to seltzers. I like it. This uh, particular flavor is very flavorful, so I don't know what your preference. We'll see what you think. Okay, okay, cool. Um, Ninkasi makes it. Mm. Um, I I like it more than like a White Claw because it doesn't have that aftertaste. Right. Know? I kind of get that. Yeah. And you know what? Anything that says Marionberry on it, I'm kind of a sucker for just because it's like being an Oregon boy born and bred. That's kind of like, that's, that's my thing. You know, I get to keep yeah. that. So... I like that. Mary and Barry Lemon. And it's, this is a brewed, not assembled cider is what they say on the side of it. So it's, okay. like, it's like more of an involved process, I guess. So it's probably why it tastes better. That's probably why. Yeah. I would guess. I they don't know. They have a few other flavors too that are really good. Um, I like all of them. Okay. I almost no, bought the 12 pack, but you told me you were a little hungover this morning. And so I went with the six. I, that 12 pack had a bunch of fun flavors in it. There was like a cucumber one or something. Yeah, that one's good. Yeah. They're all good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was, I went to comedy last night and I ended up playing skee ball. Uh huh. I saw um, the picture on social media. Yeah. Caused a lot of ruckus um, <laughs> for some reason. But anyway, um, I. I was able to beat the high score, and then someone immediately got a higher score, and so I was like, I, "Can't I, have that. I can't leave." Um, <laughs> then I was like, "I need to go home because I have to work," and I was very tired today. Yeah, but yeah. I bet you you showed up and gave one hundred and ten percent at work, right? Yeah, well, I work from home, so yes, yeah, so it worked out go. great. <laughs> I got there early, the whole thing. Yeah. That's awesome. So I, I find that funny, and I might as well touch on it. It was just a picture of you playing skee ball uh, that Seth Milstein, a friend of the podcast, posted. 
And, um, you know, you guys uh, have worked together a lot in the past, obviously end up uh, in a lot of social situations together. And there was like what kind of seemed like an angry post that maybe he had taken this picture (laughs) of you when you weren't aware and then posted it without your consent. And uh, from what I understand from the comments, it couldn't have been further from the truth. Yeah. Yeah. I I was like, hey, take some pictures of me playing ski because I look really cool. (laughs) And I did. I, uh... I feel like it was a good choice. You know? I, I do too, and uh, <laughs> I, you know, if people are so sensitive online anymore, that it kind of seemed like uh, somebody was trying to fight a battle that they really had no business trying to fight. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I gotta hand it to Seth because if somebody were to post something like that on, say, something that I took a picture that I took of somebody that had asked me to take a picture. I might have replied a lot more angrily than he did. And he really kept a level head to that comment and was like, this is what the situation was. This is how it played out. This is the person. Yeah. And I was like, God damn it, Seth. Why do you have to be so good at that? (laughs) Like, I would have lost my mind and ended up looking like the asshole, which is mostly why I try to shut my mouth on social media most of the time. I mean, it was even quite a long paragraph reply. I feel like I would have been like, nope. I don't know. I don't have the energy to fight online with people, so. It's probably a good trait. I mean, I, uh, you know, Seth and I have talked about this on this podcast before where I developed a filter back, not necessarily in my radio days, but like at the end of my radio days when I realized that like there was a way less people that cared about anything I had to say. Yeah. That I, I would type something out, and especially if it was an angry rant, I would like go away from it for a few minutes, come back and read it. And most of the time, delete everything that I had written and yeah. not put it down. I, and I feel like if people would do that more, probably be a f- more fun place to be on Facebook, you know? You know, I'm. it's crazy. I have a So I have a friend. She's the program director for a radio station in Humboldt. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's crazy some of the emails and letters and messages that she has to deal with. I don't know how she does it. Um, they're d- some of them are disturbing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's she's good at it, shutting people down. So that's good. That's good. <laughs> you know, we we did a show that was a little more controversial, especially in Eugene. I think it works anywhere east of the Rockies, no problem. Maybe until you get to the far east coast. Um, but we were a little bit more irreverent than what a lot of people liked. And fortunately, there towards the end of our show, we had this program director that was very good at filtering that stuff out, and not only keeping you know fans and everything like that happy and at bay but also never telling us because, you know, we have those fragile egos like some comedians will too, where it's like, all you have to do is tell me what one person in that crowd of thousands thinks about me. And if it's negative, it's going to ruin my whole day, you know? So it's uh, it's a good, it's a good thing to have, but I look back on some of the stuff that we did and it's like, we never would get away with that. Now the world's definitely changed in the Mm -hmm. short time since I haven't been doing it anymore, probably for the better, but glad you're not doing it. I imagine. I would have a real tough time with it now because that's the thing is I wasn't ever trying to like whenever I would say things and you know we never scripted anything it was all like what's running through my head it's a lot like with my comedy like I'm not out there trying to offend someone that's not the point I'm saying it because I think it's funny and I just want people to laugh but um, yeah it's it's something that I mean the podcasting is definitely a more loose feel and I also get this feeling that like nobody can come in here and tell me what to do. Not a suit that it never listens to the program, not a, a program director that's there every day and might hate me for other reasons. Um, you know, my wife could say some stuff, but she's, she's really good about that. She stays out of it. So, um, yeah, I, I don't, you know, I hadn't really thought about that. I still do a podcast with the guys that I used to host a radio show, um, a daily podcast that they do with their radio show up in Portland, but I can tell 
they're two of my best friends in the world, and I can tell when something that I say makes them uneasy now. And I could have said that six, seven years ago, and it never would have elicited the same response. But they have a job to worry about. That's yeah. the thing. I don't. You know, I'm just brought on as an unpaid guest, so let yeah, me sure. burn the whole thing down, right? Yeah, I mean, we've all evolved, and uh, we're all learning, so we figure it out yeah. as we go. You could mistake what I do as learning. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about this. The reason uh, you are in here, as I said earlier, um, I have been trying to in the past, it was supposed to be four weeks. It's ended up being four episodes that I'm trying to highlight some Eugene comedians. Had Chaz Logan Hyde, Seth Milstein in here. Uh, you are the third. I don't want to give away the fourth yet because uh, she will be coming to do the podcast when it is appropriate and when we can make it work. But I don't want to give the surprise up. Cool. So... You are, as I said, uh, voted Eugene Weekly's 2020 Comedian of the Year by your peers, right? They asked a bunch of comedians who they thought the best was, and your name came up all the time. I guess. I don't. I didn't get that email, so I don't know. I still don't understand, like, what happened there, but I was like, okay. We'll take it. Sure. Yeah. I think I said this, and the, they had me answer some questions. I was like, I really felt like it was, you know that movie Carrie? When she's voted prom queen, I'm like, I feel like this is weird. You think they're but. trying to appease you or something like that? <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, there's going to be, is this a trick? I don't know. But it's fine. Um, yeah, that was really nice. Um, I'm pretty new at comedy, so um, that I think was why it felt strange. But um, I'm learning to take compliments. Uh, it's hard. But yeah, it yeah. is. It's uncomfortable. Especially when you're the only one, when it's just something that you're doing by yourself, you know, sometimes it feels a little awkward. How long have you been doing comedy? Um, I guess, well, now it's been like two and a half years about, um, but you know, there was a whole bunch of time in there where I wasn't really doing it. So, um, yeah. So how did you occupy yourself from a creative standpoint during COVID? It's been a fun question. I've asked quite a few people that are creatives in that sense and were kind of um, canned for the entire year in 2020 where there weren't, there just wasn't, not only were there not shows scheduled, there weren't places where you could just go and hope that there was a microphone that you could speak into. So, yeah. um, you obviously have, you've got a family and job and everything like that. So it's, this is kind of a side gig for you, but I imagine that creatively you felt a little bit stifled. How did you deal with that? Well, I did a lot of drinking, um, <laughs> and, uh, Ate a lot of food, gained a lot of weight. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, uh, what did I do? I guess, um, I don't know. Honestly, I just spent maybe a lot of that time that I would have been going out to Mike's, like, more with my kids, and it was awesome. Um, yeah, I realized, I was like, oh, I've been gone a lot. Uh, so that was kind of a weird realization, but um, I didn't hate it. I was going a little crazy for sure. Uh -huh. uh, we we're all driving each other nuts in the house, but um, not anywhere as to where, what, I, what I would expect, you know. Um, I was trying to do a little bit of writing here and there. Um, it was kind of hard to get motivated to do that only because I didn't have a place to try it. I wasn't really doing any Zoom shows. I got asked to do a few, but um, I was like, uh, no, but like ask me again later. Yeah. Um, but I ended up uh, avoiding those. I think so. you're probably lucky in that based on what I've heard. And not that the Zoom shows don't work and not that they couldn't be uh, comprised of a bunch of really funny people. Mm -hmm. That is just such a different environment when you're not sitting right in front of somebody. And that yeah. laughter, like, 
one person laughs and cancels out the laughter of all the other people because everybody's mic has like a mixed minus thing going on. So, um, I mean, that that to me, I feel like would have wrinkled me into a tight little ball of anxiety. And I don't think I would have been able to do it. I was never asked. Let's be clear. But (laughs) I I really don't think I would have been able to. Um, it, It was it was a weird thing for me from the start. One thing that I really helped me cope with was just using Zoom as like a way to talk to all my buddies that oh, were, yeah, you know, from college that. that were stuck in their respective houses. And mm-hmm. that kind of kept me sane because we started doing it on a once weekly basis. Like every Thursday night we had a happy hour. And I did the same thing. It, yeah, it was amazing friends, yeah. how it would like make me feel like that week wasn't just gone forever and yeah. we did nothing, you know. You have something to look forward to. You've, I mean, it's it's weird how fast, I don't know if you felt this way, you get used to it. Um, but yeah, I was actually doing that for the entire year, year and a half with, um, was it five or six other, uh, comics and it was fun. It was nice. I needed it. And we, we've talked about this. Um, but I feel like we kind of all took turns having our own little nervous breakdowns, but I feel like it was funny to watch, you know, (laughs) I bet if you get to be like a kind of a fly on the wall when that comedian's having the breakdown and they're using it as like a sounding board on the zoom meeting is probably as long as you know, they're going to be okay. It's probably something that would be a little bit entertaining if nothing else. Yeah, man. I have to say though, I did um, watch some zoom comedy shows and I found a good one and I ended up, it was like once a week or once every other week. And I really liked it. This girl uh, in L.A., Carmen Morales, mm-hmm. uh, she was hosting some really great shows. She would have, like, um, Jackie Cation and Maria Bamford, and um, Eddie Pepitone was on one, and um, who else? There's so many. They were all so funny, you know? Yeah. She was good at getting some good guests. But That's awesome. Yeah. I love I love Maria Bamford. We uh, I, we interviewed her once for the radio show just to, just to promote her show, and I was so afraid that she was going to bring her awkward personality to the because I was I, I was a host at the time, so it was my job to kind of spearhead the conversation and to yeah. kind of move things forward. And I was new at it, and she was awesome. Like she made me feel like I was good at something that I know at the time I wasn't good at. So uh, she uh, probably sensed that. I, I bet like, she did. Yeah, and and she I feel seems like she would be really. You know, there's people really? out there that can do that, that have that sixth sense a little bit and will help you out. And comedians, it's like they can do one of two things. They can let you drown or they can throw you a life raft at that point. Yeah. Um, Eric Andre did the same thing. Eric Andre tried to buy Vicodin from his manager during our interview. Like, just says, hang on, hang on. Do you guys have any Vicodin? And, like, I can hear a guy talking in the background, like, hook me up, you know? And it's like... I should have expected that from Eric Andre. Right. You know, if anybody was going to do that, it was going to be him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I absolutely huge Maria Bamford fan. Um, you have gotten to share the stage with some pretty some pretty good comedians. I saw when I was reading the Eugene Weekly article that you opened for, uh, and now his name is escaping me, but the guy from Mystery Science Theater 3000. Oh, yeah, Jonah Ray. Jonah Ray, thank you. And uh, honestly, as I was poking through, uh, I will be 100% honest here. Pretty much every comedian that I've had on, I'll go through their Facebook and just stalk them for a little bit just to see, like, shows that you've been on, people you've performed with, things that might be going on in your life, and you were no exception. So I I saw your name on a thousand different posters. So for only doing comedy for two and a half years and having a year of that basically be, like, a no-play zone, I feel like you've you've been on a lot of stages with a lot of talented people. So that's that's really awesome. I mean... I've gotten really lucky. I mean... um... I don't know. I think that 
I just, when I started doing it, I kind of, I don't know if it's my addictive personality or what, but just, I went to every single mic and I just kind of got it in my head that that's what I needed to be doing and how I should be spending my time. And I think that um, if you're just around enough, people are going to ask you to be on shows and you do well and it just kind of snowballs from there. But, but yeah, I think, um, you know, other towns, the opportunities might not have been so available. Um, but since it was a smaller scene, I mean, I feel like the scene's so much bigger now. Um, so I was really looking forward to everything really opening back up and these new venues I've been hearing about, um, start having shows, but yeah, it's kind of feeling like there's, that's on pause. Yeah. So, or at least they're hovering over the pause button and really getting close to it right now, which makes sense. It's just like, it's yeah, it can make sense all at once. It's just still going to be endlessly frustrating, you know, and and by all means, we all have our own responsibilities and, and nobody wants to be the catalyst in something that knocks out 20 comedians for the next two weeks yeah. or whatever. But at the same time, that itch to perform is still there. And, and you you brought it up right there. And what you just said, when COVID was over. I had been away from Eugene comedy for, you know, five or six years. I kind of went into like a depressive rabbit hole where I didn't want anybody to see me in public after we lost the radio show. And I didn't have like the wherewithal to stand on a stage and feel okay about myself. And when I finally started coming back out and going to Seth's mic and going to Chaz's mic, what I found was it's like we used to think that uh, on a Monday night, we had an open mic for the radio show down at Taylor's Bar and Grill back before it became like a, you know, drugs in your drink hut um and when we got 10 maybe 15 comedians for an open mic we were like high-fiving it was typically five or six of the same people and telling jokes to the same five or six people that would come out and now I see like I've gone to sign up for a mic at 731 when they've opened the book at 730 and there's already 10 (laughs) people and there's 15 more standing behind me (laughs) yeah exactly Did you feel like that was kind of spurned by COVID? Like it was one of those things where all those people sat there with nothing creative to do and they all kind of committed to it like you said you did? Like this is how I should be spending my time. Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, it would be sporadic, um, I guess, before COVID. But I feel like as long as I've been doing it, at least there were never that many people. Lucky's would sometimes be crazy. I remember going there and being like, I'm going on at midnight like this is. I'm so tired. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, now it's it's like that at almost every mic. So yeah, um, which um, it's cool that there's more people um, trying it out, and there's um, some of the brand new people are pretty funny. So that's it, nice. Yeah, and I mean, it seems like I, I used to remember open mics as a thing where a couple people might have their solid five worked out and the rest of them were going to kind of be up here throwing punches and seeing if they land. And now it seems like every comedian that's on there has a solid five and everybody's working towards their next solid five or their next 10 or their next 15 minutes. And that to me is, is uh, I, j- I love to see it and I want to use this podcast to, I mean, literally this will be the fourth episode in a row or maybe even the fifth where I've just been ranting about how impressive the Eugene comedy scene is right now. That's- Cool. That's good to hear. I mean, I always think it's fun, you know, and I notice that there's a lot of good comics, but I always wonder what everyone else thinks. So, I, yeah, hear. I mean, just based on my limited experience and, you know, I I've 
shared the stage with a couple of big names, but mostly the comedy stuff that I've done has been more small regional um, in performing in Eugene and Medford. I mean, I saw your name on on a Humboldt flyer, so you've obviously gone down into California and performed some down there. I haven't done that. I've never even performed up in Portland. So my, to be honest with you, my opinion in 50 cents won't buy you a cup of coffee anywhere around, but I, I feel like just in, in having the open mic that we used to run every Monday, seeing as many different faces as I've seen is a huge plus. It's like something that Eugene hasn't had in years. And as I talk to a guy like Seth, who's been doing it since 1982 or whatever, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, he, he makes me feel like it's the same thing is he's like, yeah, man, it hasn't been like this for, I don't know, since 85 or whenever he was in the, in the heyday. But, uh, um, you know, I feel like Eugene needs a, needs one more venue and a kind of a dedicated comedy venue, you know, yeah. where people go out to watch comedy, but, um, I love that. Hopefully someday. I mean, it's something that uh, I've even kicked the idea around a little bit of, of seeing what I could do there. Um, you know, money's always the issue, but yeah. Um, <coughs> excuse me. It there were venues like that ten years ago, and they kind of were a little whether well, they were either too attached to bars or they were also trying to be a restaurant and. There will be something sooner rather than later. If this many talented comedians are looking for a place to be, somebody's got to yeah. open one, you know? Oh, it'd be so fun. Um, I know the – so the Bijou finally closed, and on one of the group chat things we were all talking about um, how that would be so fun to be able to take that over. You could still even have, you know, movies and stuff, but also um, – there's so many rooms there. There's even like an outdoor space, the courtyard. We were like, that'd be such a fun comedy club. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, money. Money. Yeah. And I mean, there's so many good venues boarded up around town. Like you yeah. drive around Eugene and you're like, that would be a cool place. That yeah. would be a cool place, you know, and they're kind of just all over like that. Mm -hmm. Sad to hear that the, the Bijou closed. I mean, that was kind of an institution downtown yeah. for quite some time, but. I feel like someone's going to buy it because it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's that the problem is, is it, it real estate downtown has almost gotten preventatively expensive all of a sudden, which that's kind of the way with real estate anywhere. But uh, at least in the limited research I was doing, it's like you're talking about paying, you know, $20, $25 a square foot someplace. And then you get downtown and they want like 35 to 40. It's like, is it really worth that much more? Yeah. The answer is probably yes. Otherwise, they wouldn't be charging it. But. I guess. Yeah. I guess for some something like that with events, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it, it, I I feel like we're we're close, and maybe this is the right time to strike too, because if we do have another shutdown, I can't help but think that the second explosion of people wanting to get out and not only perform but also see people perform yeah. is probably going to be at least as big, if not bigger, than the first one was. I hope so. I don't know. I, I don't even know what to think anymore. Yeah. It's like day to day. That's <laughs> probably a good way to go about it. Yeah. So uh, my one schedule of conflict that I created uh, was actually you were going camping with your family and I decided to take a vacation and really just muck things up. So I got to ask because I like to hear these stories and I know a lot of times good stories come out of it. How was the camping trip? It was good. You know, I hadn't been camping for so long other than a cabin. You know, usually we just get a cabin and... I don't want to deal with anything. Uh, my kids were a lot younger, but now they're getting older. And I was like, maybe we should get a tent and do. And I was a little bit nervous about it. I was wondering if I would hate it. But um, I obsessively prepared for it ahead of time to make it like the least amount of stress as possible. And it was great. 
I have to say, so one thing that I noticed um, that's different from when I used to camp, it, we were in Gold Beach, which it was beautiful. Um, but like the campsite, the campground was so weird. So the, all the campsites are so close together, you know, so you're like 10 feet from the person next to you. And then I was like walking around at night and uh, there's a bunch of people just sitting <laughs> by the fire looking at their phones. And I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> this is weird to me. Um, and then what I didn't realize that you need to bring camping and there was a lot of these are flags. Um, like one was like the skull and crossbones with the AR-15. <laughs> I'm like, oh, are, did you bring those camping? Because that's <laughs> alarming. I don't At least know. we know if a psychopathic bear walks in, somebody's got it handled, right? Yeah, I guess. Uh, <laughs> like I saw a few Trump one flags. I'm like, oh, God, this is wild out here. Um, but, yeah, beautiful, good time, lots of, uh, you know, sand in our cracks and stuff. Sure. It was a good time. So if Angie Bloomfield had a camping flag, what would your camping flag be? Mm, what a good question. It's like a flower crown, but it's made of bullets. Because no, I, I don't know if you're trying to fit in with the people out there that brought <laughs> oh, their flags. that's true. I got to think about that. I don't want to like encourage anyone to maybe seek me out. Right. Um, you don't want to look vulnerable, but you also don't want to look like you're trying to stand out, right? Yeah. So. Um, hmm. Maybe just a, maybe just a can of Pacific Sparkling. Yeah, I think it would you know? just have to be some kind of branding uh, situation, you know, like alcohol branding. Um, just let them know, like, hey, you know, <laughs> we're drinking over here. Just leave <laughs> us alone, okay? Just <laughs> we have uh, we we tailgate for a lot of Oregon Ducks games, and uh, back when I was working in the radio, one of my fellow colleagues gave me for my birthday one year a 10-foot-tall vinyl Step Brothers poster from the movie Step Brothers, and it's the school picture kind of of Will Ferrell and John C. Riley like, posed, you know, one of them's leaning on the other one, and they've got, like, sweater vests on. <laughs> and, I, one, you know, I, I noticed the flags, too, and everything like that, and most of them are Oregon Duck flags, of course, but one day we're like, should we take this and just hang it up at the tailgate? And it's been there for, like, eight years since. It's just been on our tailgate, and that's actually our calling card. Like, we... People will be like, where's your tailgates? Like you you walk by the big Will Ferrell poster, like, yeah, we saw that. It's like, come back. That's where we're at, you know? And that's perfect. It is. It's it makes no sense. And I yeah. love that about it because it's a conversation starter. People come up and be like, Why'd you do that? It's like, oh, I got that for a birthday present. Yeah, but it still doesn't when make else sense are that you're you gonna use it. Yeah, exactly. It's like I can't put it on the front of my house. Well, actually, I probably could, you know, I but mean, why not, right? Yeah. <laughs> at this I point in time. I would be like, hey, okay. Who lives there? We should, you know what? We should bring them cookies. Yeah, that, you know, probably, I didn't even think you about could get that. Cookies. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be a cookie magnet. Well, we've got some new neighbors um, on this side of the house that I still haven't met yet, but they have four boys between what I can tell is like the ages of like six and twelve, and they scream and they yell and they hit my house with rocks. <laughs> and recently, their plum tree started to fruit, and they've been hitting the house with plums and. <laughs> Whatever is shaped like a ball that can be thrown over the fence has hit my house. And yeah. I wonder if maybe that flag wouldn't be sort of a peacekeeper if I could just put it up yeah. out there, you know, and maybe they, like you said, they could bring me cookies and I'd be like, hey, great cookies. Could you put a fucking lid on your kids? Yeah, because good God. You could um, give them like weed, weed cookies or something <laughs> and they'll just 
take a nap. See if they'll calm down a little bit. Yeah, something like that. There was, um, I used to live in San Francisco, and there was this one um, apartment that I would walk by, and I knew it was there, but every time I walked by, I would do a double take, and it was like a cardboard cutout of Nicolas Cage <laughs> in the window, and it scared me almost every time that I walked by it. But yeah, and it, I, I liked it, though. I always wondered who lived there. So probably an interesting person, somebody that can handle having a cardboard cut out of Nick Cage (laughs) in their window, I'd guess. Yeah, I know. I really want to see that pig movie that he I haven't watched it. I haven't either. But it seems like I mean, I don't know what happened to Nick Cage when he used to steal the Declaration of Independence and now he's doing pig, you know. But I I mean, from what I've heard, it's not bad. I I haven't heard much, but, I, you know, I've I've heard a lot more anticipation for it than Mm -hmm. anything else, which surprises me because everybody learned their lesson with Tusk. And it was like, I know Tusk was a little bit weird, but it was like, it was about an animal and it was a guy that didn't really normally do those movies. Did you see Tusk? No, I don't even know about Tusk it. was Justin Long. And essentially oh, it was kind of like this, this psychological thriller that this guy kidnapped him and tried to turn him into a walrus. Oh, I did hear about this. And it just like the visuals <laughs> are so fucked up. Like I actually didn't watch the whole movie because I was so sick of seeing it's it's got a certain human centipede-like appeal to it where it's, and I don't even know why I use the word appeal. It puts you off like human centipede kind of. Yeah. Uh, my wife liked it, but I know this one is more just about this pig that uh, is kind of, you know, is a truffle hunting pig and what, somebody takes it from him or I something so. like that? He's looking for a pig. So it's like John Wick, but with a pig. I guess. That's okay. what everyone keeps comparing it to. I'm like, I've never actually seen John Wick. Sorry. I haven't either. I see the kill counts very high for mm. the three movies, which... You know, I, I, that's always something that I used to enjoy in action movies. I'm a big Die Hard fan, mm-hmm. so that played for me. So I probably should have seen John Wick, but I don't know, man. I, something I love Keanu Reeves. I just think I love him more as a person than I do as an actor. Yeah, you know, I, I like him. I I think I'm in the same boat. I have a calendar, um, and it's a weird one. And each month is different, but one of the months is like a collage of photos of Keanu Reeves. Okay, and it was a favorite. Yeah, that yeah. was that was one of your favorite like months. Nineties Keanu Reeves is it's fun. He's got a cool haircut. It's like that mushroom. Oh yeah, it's a good time. He was uh, that was back in the Speed days, right? And uh, and yeah. Point Break wasn't he in Point Break? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Nick Nolte's got a great line in that when he he tells Keanu Reeves that I've been doing police work since you were jacking off to the to the lingerie section of the Sears catalog. <laughs> And I was like, that's something you can't say these days. There is no Sears catalog. There is no Sears. Oh, isn't there? Uh, I don't know. They shut down most of them. Yeah, I believe it. It's kind of like JCPenney where they're thinning them out, you know? Um, I think the only thing keeping those alive are uh, Sephora. Aren't those inside (laughs) of JCPenney's? Yeah, I think you're probably right. The amount of money that my wife spends at those places would (laughs) say that, yes, you are 100% correct. I mean, it's expensive. It's like 30 bucks for mascara, and that's like... Not even a high-end one. I think that's the thing. Like, there's there's a parallel between golf and makeup for mm-hmm. for men and women um, because there's a certain portion of time where I don't think my wife understands how much money I've spent in 23 years golfing. Like, whether it be greens fees, clubs, nice shirts, a hat, you know, shoes. It, the thing is, is you just, if you don't play you don't really understand how many little things there are. And it's a lot, I feel like, kind of parallel to makeup in that I couldn't tell you an accurate estimate of how many products she's got for her face. I don't know. And and I know that, like you say, 
30 or 40 bucks a piece, that shit adds up pretty quick. Yeah. I'm not huge into makeup, but I I think that was one thing during lockdown. I started, like, ordering makeup. <laughs> I got to look different like, when I look I at myself every day. I don't even know how to use this. <laughs> I guess I'll watch one of those tutorials. Oh, God, um, they're everywhere. Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, I just don't want to be old. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, has makeup come up with any of your previous guests? You know, this is the first one, and I, but I, 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 I'm not upset by it by any yeah. means. You know, I like to talk about whatever up here. <laughs> I, the premise of this show has always been come have a drink with me, and we'll talk about what comes up. Yeah, and I uh, like it. sometimes it's a little. I can tell for some people, and you didn't do this, so don't worry. But I can tell with some people. Like I had uh, one of my former radio colleagues in, and one of the things that in radio is just like dead air. Is like you'll wake up having nightmares about it, and. So my radio call, he said, what are we going to talk about? It's like, don't worry about it. I'm handling, well, because like, I could be like prepared. Like if you have a topic, it's like, I have so many topics and you don't get to know any of them. That's why this is like my little thing. Just trust me here. Yeah. And I also will like obsess sometimes and take a ton of notes. And then other times I'll be like, well, let's let this one be more conversational and just kind of flow as it yeah. does. So, um, it's I'm I'm glad that you were okay because you did ask like are we just chatting and I was like yeah okay now you're prepared that we're just gonna chat and you don't have to worry about like when I ask you a really obscure question that makes you think really hard it's really like, not what my flag style do I want to have on my campsite yeah like, oh, that one kind of came up out of nowhere but uh, and I figured it was uh, it was <laughs> worth it. <laughs> Yeah. No, it's like top ten favorite nonfiction novels. Go. No. I- <laughs> okay, I think for the flag, I have a better answer. I would do just like a big photo of my dog on it. Okay. Like you know, she's uh, little and cute, and like everyone loves loves that. Yeah, everyone loves, loves a dog. Yeah. So, uh, what kind of dog do you have? Uh, she is a mutt. So she's like, um, she was a runt. And it was like a terrier Maltese. But since she was the runt, she's just really scruffy. Like, she always kind of looks like she just popped out of a garbage can. <laughs> um, yeah, she's really cute. What's her name? Ren. Ren. Okay. Like Ren and Stimpy. Like Ren and Stimpy. Mm-hmm. I, that was what I was going to ask. I know that there's been other characters named Ren, but that was that's where my mind goes. Yeah. So That was a favorite when I was a kid, for sure. Okay. Yeah, I was... Um, it's funny. It makes me sound like I'm 100 years old, which, I mean, I'm... I'm Close, but uh, um, I couldn't like record shows that I liked or anything, save them. So I actually had this boom box with cassette tapes and I would put it beside my TV and I would press record when Ren and Stimpy was on and then I would listen to it later. That's really, you know what? I see an idea for a really good podcast in there. You still have those tapes. Yeah. I no? don't know. That's tough. I don't know if I do. If you ever found them, it would be interesting to sit down and listen to a few Ren and Stippy episodes and talk about what you could get away with today right. that totally would would have flown back then. It won't fly today, you know. Mm-hmm. I liked Ren and Stippy a lot. I couldn't watch it. My mom, that was one of the few that as a younger kid, my mom totally said no. And it's it's weird because I'm in the Simpsons generation where, well, me and like three other generations, but I'm in one of them. And as a kid, I wasn't allowed to watch the Simpsons. And we weren't like a strict religious household or anything it was just like i think my mom saw one thing one time that she didn't like on it and she shut that down and ren and stimpy down for me until i was you know late junior high high school and they didn't really care that much anymore so um but also i grew up in a town where i didn't get nickelodeon until seventh grade like it wasn't you couldn't have it piped in there was no nowhere to 
get it, basically. Where did you grow up? I grew up in a little tiny town in northeast Oregon called Enterprise. Um, it's up in the Wallowa Mountains. There's Joseph, Wallowa Lake, all that stuff kind of right around it. Oh, it's okay. Burps Just are burping in the mic. Burps happen on this show all the time. They're welcome. Uh, no burp left behind. So is that the the rental car places from there? <laughs> down. You know, it would probably be a much uh, more bustling city if that was the case. Yeah, but uh, really since it's small, huh? Yeah, two thousand people. I graduated with forty four kids. Um, oh wow. 22, 22 males, 22 females, and eight of them either already had kids or were pregnant when they walked. So you can tell there wasn't a lot going not, on. Not a lot happening. No. I uh, grew up in Mitchell, South Dakota, but that was like 18,000 people, but that feels very small, so I can't imagine. That. I mean, That's crazy. I've never heard of Mitchell, South Dakota. I can't believe there's 18,000 people in that in that city. But Home of the world's only corn palace. Oh, okay. And what's the difference between a corn palace and, say, a corn maze? Oh, big difference. Big difference? Yeah. By the way, world's only. So there's only one. Okay. Um, it's a real building, It's a, and it has, like, the things on the top. What are they called? Turrets? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like a you castle? Know? Yeah, like... It looks like from Russia or something. I've heard that they've, I haven't been back in a while, but I've heard that they've replaced them and tried to like modernize them. So I don't know what it looks like now, but it always looked like it was something like straight out of Russia. Um, But on the outside of the building, um, there's murals made out of corn, like different colors of corn, and they change them every year. Wow. Quite the undertaking. Yeah. And um, so like, for example... I think the last time I was there, it was a cool one because it was like a tribute to American music. So there was um, one of them was Willie Nelson and there was like Elvis and I can't remember who else was there on there. It was a long time ago. But um, yeah, my old art teacher, I guess she's the one in charge of the murals now. And back when Jon Stewart hosted The Daily Show, um, I think it was Stephen Colbert interviewed her oh, wow. because they had a drought and so she lost like two colors of the corn. Oh, bummer. And it was, she was like distraught, you know, like, <laughs> and you always wonder when you're watching those, like, is this person for real? This, I know her and she is for real. <laughs> it was so funny. I tried so hard to find that um, and I can't find it on YouTube or anything, but it's great. But yeah, um, it's a big deal. And then every year when they have the changing of the corn, they have a carnival, so and they a, block off Main Street, and you have, like, the Gravitron and the Zipper and uh, all okay. of that. And it's so like, the real carnival, that, like, this is a carnival you could actually go and die at. Like, it's the, it's those rides, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. I know um, what you're talking about. They just, they don't fasten them to the street at all. They just set them there, and it's like, is that level? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's probably, yeah, I guess they don't fasten them to the street. I never really thought about that. <laughs> I never thought it was unsafe till just now. Like, <laughs> well, dang. I actually, it, to be honest with you, I I'm a big ride guy. Like, yeah. I like to, you know, whatever theme park I'm at, or if there's a carnival. But there was that footage from Michigan recently where there's like it's like the big, um, <clears throat> just a big bench, and it swings around in a circle, and it kind of mm-hmm. works on momentum. So yeah. like, <clears throat> they were getting it up to the top, and the the front of it was coming off the ground, and people were like jumping on it to try to hold oh, it down. I think I saw that. And I totally lost all respect for, like, traveling carnivals at that point. It's like, how, how many times did I almost die on the octopus? One time a meth head left me and my buddy on the octopus for, like, 40 minutes, and he yeah. got sick. And it's just, 
for 40 minutes. Yeah, I mean, we. I, I will admit I was <laughs> young, so it might have seemed like a lot longer than it actually yeah. was. But it was one of those things where, like, every time we would come by, he would be like, <laughs> what do you think now, boy? Because we were the only two on it, and he just let it keep going. Dick. And, yeah, so... I don't know, but uh, that's I... That's pretty bad. I've been thrown up on, on the zipper. Oh, no. Yeah, above. It, it was just on my arm, but it was gross. Oh, my God. It's, and then I peed my pants, like, on several rides. Yeah. Was but, that maybe a scrambler thing to shake you up a little bit? Scrambler, um, the zipper. And you know what? When I would go on the Gravitron, I would always cough for some reason. Do you know what the Gravitron is? Oh, yeah. I remember You're, like, that. stuck to the wall. I yep. would just, like, uncontrollably cough. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember being like, I don't know why this is happening. And it was embarrassing. And I just quit riding it because... I felt stupid. Well, you want to talk about a mass spreader event. One I cough know. and the Gravitron have the yeah. whole place infected, right? That's, wow. Yeah. I don't really think about that stuff, you know? No. I guess <laughs> these are good things. I got shit on by a duck in Frontierland in <laughs> Disneyland. That was a real, I was real upset about that. Um, Frontierland? It was like the, you know, where Thunder Mountain Railroad is and all the kind of old Western feel stuff. Like, uh, that's in, in Disneyland. Oh, I've actually not been to Disneyland. Oh. <clears throat> It's okay. I mean, it's almost, it's, it'll put a second mortgage on your house yeah, anymore. You know, it's really expensive. But uh, yeah, they have lots of ducks. I was just walking along with my buddy and a duck shit right I mean, across my face, all down my shirt, you know. And it's like, duck <laughs> shit's not like normal bird yeah. shit where it's like white and you can wipe it off. Like, it's like muddy water, you know. Yeah, it just got flung on you and ugh. Yeah, it's nasty. But that's my Disneyland memory. My, uh, when my mom... She got married when I was, like, in first grade. Um, and they went on a honeymoon, so I stayed with a friend. And they went to fucking Disneyland without me. Oh, my God. It must have been devastating. I was, like, they came back and showed me all the photos of them with, like, Mickey. <laughs> I was, like, and they never took they me. They still never took I'm, like, you. still kind of upset about it. I can feel that. <sighs> It's rightfully so, though. I mean, it, look, it's one thing if you don't take your high school student. It's yeah. another thing if you don't take your first grader. Yeah. Like, Disney was built for first graders. I mean, please, don't take me on your honeymoon. I get it. But, like, why did you go to Disneyland for your honeymoon, you weirdos? <laughs> you know? Like, who does that? Right. I mean, I know they went to other places, too, but. Where'd you go on yours? Oh, well, we we just went to the coast because um, we kind of just planned our wedding like a day ahead of time went to the courthouse and um we kind of had a lot of champagne and stuff afterwards and so we were like we better just let's just stay home tonight and then tomorrow morning should we like go to the coast and so we did that and uh it was really fun it was like a terrible storm to where like when you, the car door opened I thought it was going to be ripped off and like there was no it was in Yahats so we just went there like uh -huh. um and uh, we had no electricity at the hotel, so they, like, brought us these lanterns. So it was totally cute. That's kind of cool. Something something unique to remember it by. Yeah, yeah. and um, then I remember even going to the grocery store because we had, like, a room with a kitchen in it and stuff. Went to the grocery store, and there was all candles. It was lit by candles because there was no um, electricity. And I'm like, this is fucking cute. <laughs> Something I could get used to about this yeah, feel, you it know? Was fun. A little less fluorescent light in your face all the time. Yeah, it was a good time. So, yeah. For like a pretty um, easy, unplanned, honey, short honeymoon, it was fun. Yeah. I think if you, if you pulled back and, and pulled a lot of people that are at the Oregon coast, especially during the summer months, to see how many of them actually are on their honeymoon, you'd probably be surprised by the amount of people. I mean, it's a, 
It's a popular destination. I just don't think everybody understands how quickly the ocean in Oregon will kill you yeah. compared to the one in like LA. You know, it's like it, it's pretty doable in a lot of these tropicals. And then all of a sudden you drive up around Yahats and Newport and you're like, there is no beach. There's a 50 foot cliff yeah. and there's trees on it. Like This you- is like the good sun kind of coast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Precisely. Um, and we went in like late November, so it was cold and stuff, but I don't know. We were just trying to get out of town. I found, uh, well, my mom found and sent it to me, an old um, note that I had written. It was like, what are you going to be doing when you're older? And it was so weird because it was like, I'm going to live in Maine. I was in second grade when I wrote this, or like fourth or somewhere. Anyway. I'm going to live in Maine. I'll be a psychiatrist and I will have two children. And I was like, what the fuck was I talking about? And then I was thinking about it and I'm like, I had just watched The Good Son. And I'm pretty sure I was just like pulling six. I probably had no idea what I wanted to do. Sounds like you had I was just pulling it right from there because it did sound like I had a very good plan that I did not follow. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I actually am glad I was uh, recently here. I was moving some stuff out of this room and actually getting it ready to be the place where the podcast was going to take place. And I found um, an old pamphlet that we did for our eighth grade graduation. And it was, you know, what do you what are your likes? What kind of stuff do you do you get into? And it was supposed to be kind of like a makeshift yearbook for when, you know, when you're an adult, you look back and see what was I like in eighth grade. Yeah. And. There was a question in there that said, what will you be doing in 10 years? So put me at like 13 or or 14, so maybe like 24. And my response was, I will be freshly out of rehab and on tour with Green Day. And nobody mentioned that. Like not a teacher got that and thought that that was a little bit worrisome. Is he already (laughs) doing drugs? He's pretty young. Should we check on him? Like, no, nobody said a word. They just. Why Green Day? uh, Yeah, exactly. Probably the drugs (laughs) is what I would think, you know, but hey. I picked the right band because they're yeah. still on tour, and that's 20 years later. So, so, like, if you go to rehab now, you still have a chance So I might to have make to, your dreams come true. I didn't think about it that way. Yeah. I got to talk with my wife. You know, this is why I'm here. <laughs> you know, uh, we're talking about honeymoons, and we had something. Oh yeah, where did you go? Uh, we went to, so I have an uncle that lives in Maui, and for every one of my family's um kids that graduated high school. My dad has four brothers, so it's a big extended family. Each one of the kids got one week for free in his condominium in Maui uh, when we were in uh, when we were 18. That's way better than Yahats. <laughs> if I would have taken my wife to Yahats, she would have divorced me because she yeah. grew up in Newport. So yeah, it's like, you know, that, that was off the checklist. But um, we just went to Maui. I saved it all the way until, you know, 10 years or so after I'd graduated from high school, I think eight years uh, to be exact. And we went to Honolulu and, and Ashley and I both kind of are real history buffs. We wanted to stop for one day and one night in Honolulu and go see Pearl Harbor. She'd never been to Hawaii before. And when I was a young kid that had like a real impact on me, like I remember being that, or that being like the first time that I'd ever looked at like a historical event and felt like sadness and like empathy and things like that. And how all these emotions coming out when I was there with my parents as a young kid. And so I was really excited to take her there. Well, there was a hurricane warning and like the whole island was shut down because most of that island in Honolulu there on the on the Waikiki side, a lot of that is a state park. And so when there's a hurricane warning, they just close the whole state and, and everybody can just do other things. And so 
nothing. Uh, we didn't get to do anything. We hung out on this park bench drinking beer in paper bags next to a guy that looked like he might have lived at that park bench. Um, so, you know, interesting stuff like that. And then woke up the next day to get ready for our flight to Maui. And uh, actually, the radio station in Medford had sent me an email to tell me that we were no longer on their on their radio station down there, oh, which, no. yeah, it was like, you guys are <laughs> tactful, man. They also, they yeah. uh, two years after that, they fired us on the day that Ashley and I took possession to the keys of this house. So they had a real penchant for doing things like that. So while I have a lot of memories from my honeymoon, like a couple of them stick out like a sore thumb like that. Like we got yeah. fired from the Medford radio station. Uh, a skin diver died when we were out there having like just a chill beach day. And there was like ambulances and jet skis and helicopters and all this stuff. And it was like, I feel like we picked a bad week to come to Maui. Yeah, I mean, they're going down. Like, do you guys not realize we're trying to have a good time? Right. <laughs> Get these fucking ambulances out of here. <laughs> of course, this guy on my honeymoon has to go die. Yeah. No, it was a bit of an insensitive way to look at it. But also, like, like you know, having something special that happened there that I can remember and just have a story about, I feel like is what it's all about. You know, yeah. it's like... Um, my wife got a terrible ear infection because she got, like, the salt water in her ear and, and was, like, terrible pounding headaches. I, really, it was more of a National Lampoon's honeymoon than yeah. anything, but uh, we came back in one piece, which is good. And still married, which is important. How long have you been married? We got married in 2014, so we are going on seven years if my math isn't completely fucked. Nice. Yeah. How about you? 13 years. It'll be, like, 13 and a half years, about. Congratulations. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I, you know, I've, uh, I don't have any kids and that's one thing I feel like everybody was asking for like those first seven years and still is asking like, so yeah. when you having kids and like, we've pretty much, we know that we're not going to, yeah. and we've got our two corgis here, which, you know, they're, they're so cute. I'm looking at a picture of them behind you. I keep that there to kind of calm, to just like bring like a sense <laughs> of like something for you to look at rather than me, because yeah. sometimes I get a little jittery over here and I'm yeah. pressing buttons or whatnot, but that's they're, so, uh, they're just in the photos funny because they're just staring. Yes. <laughs> Actually, one of my guests told me that this is a, uh, a quintessential Mexican re wedding photo yeah. in that the wife will always be smiling and the male will always be trying to look as hard as he possibly can. Um, yeah, I like it. It's almost like American Gothic. Yeah. <laughs> right. For dogs. Uh, this is Detective Elliot Stabler and this is Lieutenant Dan. And, uh, yeah, I named them. If if you can find one thing that's, like, overtly millennial about me, it's the way that I named my pets, for yeah. sure. Um, but, they're, I mean, I say this to people with kids, and I kind of get looked at sideways sometimes. If you knew how much I had to chase these two idiots around and keep my house in shape and clean up their messes and shit, I know it's not as hard to keep them alive as a real kid, but I feel almost as busy. Like, yeah. I, the only thing they don't go to me to is, like, read me a book. You know, or color with me or something like that. But Yeah, I guess it. Uh, I get what you're saying. Um, you just don't have to deal with emotions right? that would as much. I mean, probably a little bit. I a guess. little bit. Detective Elliot Stabler was not happy when we brought Lieutenant Dan home. He oh, was like, no. this is my place, and you let me live in it for three years and do whatever I want, and now you have this, you know? And he still kind of looks at us like that every now and then. Yeah. Um. Last night I had to take Dan. I was a little drunk, and I had to take Dan on a walk at like eleven forty-five because he was doing the he was doing the pee dance, and I could tell he wasn't going to go outside and do it himself. So that was an adventure. Um, 
I don't recommend late night walks with your dog when you're drunk, especially not if he has a penchant for pulling on the leash because he almost pulled me over last night. And I, I'm walking around the neighborhood and he like, he ran around behind me and normally I'll just do like a quick little spin on my heel and I'll just let him keep going. But I don't have that kind of dexterity and grace when I'm drunk. And he, and I was wondering like, who was looking out their window and yeah, saw drunk me out barely being able to, to manage walking that man's my dog. being taken down by a corgi. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the small one of the two, even worse. But uh, yeah, you know, um, we, we don't get that as much anymore. It was, uh, we got the, when you having kids a lot until finally started kind of like telling the people that would make us the most uncomfortable about it, the nitty gritty details on why we weren't, which was a medical issue and stuff like that. And it really shuts people down from ever asking yeah. you again. I don't like to be like vindictive with it. Cause I don't think they're asking for any other reason other than they just think that, Oh, you guys would probably make great kids. It's like, you don't know me well enough to say that yeah. I will probably have, if he's a version of me, he's not going to be a great little kid. Like I know what I was like, you know? And well, I feel that with these dogs. I rub off on them. I can feel parts of me as a child coming out in these dogs every now and then. 100%. Yeah, and I mean, uh, it's weird because it always feels funny when people are asking someone, when are you going to have kids, assuming they want them. But also, I think some people just do it because they're making conversation and they don't even really care. They're like, oh, so when are you having kids? I don't know if people still do that, but like older People yeah. do that, I feel like. You right. Know? Um, it's common ground. It's yeah. it's an easy thing to talk about, especially if they have kids and, and you were once a kid. You know, that's yeah. it's, it makes I, sense. I was a kid once. Um, <laughs> I always tell people, nah, don't do it. I mean, I really am glad that I have two kids and they're great. Um, but, you know, like, eh. Yeah. Yeah, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. It's just like a lot, you know. I mean, it, I've seen it put the brakes on some really great careers. Mm-hmm. I've seen it put the the brakes on some some hopes and dreams. And it's not to say that having your kid can't be part of the hope and yeah. part of the dream and part of the goal. Of course. But I've also seen some people like, you know, if I were to tell you out of all my very close friends that have kids that every one of them was 100% behind the decision at like the three year mark, I would be lying because right. I could see it while they would never say that to me. It's like, I've heard you say some things yeah. that would make me believe that you don't want to be where you were for the last three years, yeah. you know? And I know it's, but that's part of it is you're committing to something. You're committing to another life. You know, you're kind of putting yourself on the back burner and saying, I want to put somebody else first, you right. know? And there's something to be said about that because I think that's a, I think that's a personality type that is, when it's correctly, uh, you know, when everything falls into place, they make a really good parent, which will make a really good kid, which, you know, kind of everything perpetuates how it should. I think that there's a real quick fall off of the people that didn't want to have kids that do have them, the amount of time that they actually spend a lot of times, you know, and that's painting with a really broad brush. But I mean, there's some neglected kids out there that when you hear the stories about them, it's heartbreaking. It's like, yeah, my parents, I basically learned to make myself food at eight because my parents were never around or something like that. And it's like, man, how heartbreaking is a kid? Because at that age, all you want is just, you know, your parents are like your best friends, you know, and they're, they're, your house is all, you know, and yeah, uh, I think think that's kind of what I meant is just that, um, I'm pretty lucky because I have a good partner and I'm able to pursue creative things like comedy. You know, I try to make sure he's able to do things that he enjoys. We try and give each other space when we need it, stuff like that, so that we're 
Because, you know, you want to be a good influence and show your children, like, you you know, you can do things for yourself. Right. Uh, and that's important, I think, um, trying new things and all of that. But there's really just so many bad parents. Yeah. And, <laughs> like, chances are, just pe- tell people not to do it. Because they're proud. You know what I mean? I feel like there's more bad ones than good ones. Yeah. Especially if you're just randomly asking for random people for advice on whether or not you should. Yeah. If you can't figure it out on your own and really know that that's what you want to do and you're just like at an open mic night. So what do you think if I have kids? Like, maybe don't. Maybe don't. Uh, I mean, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. It's a a hard question that I could obviously never answer for anyone. But... um, yeah, I'm super glad that I did because my kids are um, cuter than everyone else's. Okay. Yeah, and uh, cooler. Cooler. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you're probably a pretty cool mom, right? Like, it's one of those things where they look at you as, like, their friend's moms can't possibly be as cool as mine. I don't know. I'm really annoying. I'm, like, constantly, like, hey, hey, did you do this? What happened here? What's going on? I'm, like, the, the dad's the fun one. Oh, okay. I'm the one that's, like... You're, you're kind of the one that's a little bit more regimented, yeah. making sure chores get done and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So do they have that dichotomy between you and dad where it's like, if mom says no, we just go ask dad? Uh, yeah, I'm trying. They're getting much better about that because, um, well, Zach, my husband, we have to actually, we realize we have to be better about communicating because they'll trick us sometimes, you know. Um, we were at um, a family party kind of thing. And my son wanted to leave, and he was like, yeah, uh, dad said he's ready to go, so, um, you know, we got to go. And I was like, really? Okay. So I'm, like, getting everything ready, and Zach comes out, he's like, oh, yeah, Frankie said that uh, you you wanted to leave? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and I'm like, we just laughed, you know? We're like, he's good. Yeah, playing really both sides against the middle. I've done that. Yeah. It's like, hmm. I was an only child, so I never, like, thought of that any good stuff like that, you know? I was like... Just wrestling with the dog and recording Ren and Stimpy. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I uh, I've had an older sister, and she and I would we we tried to prank our parents more. Like one time, we put uh, she she did a little makeup on my eyes and darkened them in, and we put tape over my nose. And the whole joke was that she punched me in the face. Yeah. And when we got home, and we're like, Mom, Dad, Mackenzie punched me in the face. We think she broke my nose. And my parents were both just like. Well, no, that couldn't have happened because she looks fine and you totally would have hit her back. (laughs) You would have gone nuts. So like this, you know, but my dad taught me to play poker at a pretty young age because he played a lot with, you know, he has poker buddies and they played once a week. And sometimes he would just take me down there and I would just hang out and watch the card games. And I always really took to it. One thing he told me is like part of poker is trying to make you trying to make your other players believe that you have something in your hand that you don't. Right. Or vice versa, you know, trying to make them uh, trying to make them uh, think that you don't have something that you do. And I totally applied that to me working mom against dad, you know, yeah. where it was like I would use like a reverse psychology on mom to think, make her think I wanted to do something that I didn't and then go to dad with the appropriate thing. <laughs> he would take that back to mom as if it were a better idea. Yeah. And I, this is I, exhausting. I, exactly. So but <laughs> that's what I like. They would get away with that with me. If I was the dad, I, I don't think things deep enough anymore. Yeah. Like, I kind of just have a conveyor belt of thoughts that's running through my head, and it's on overdrive, you know? Well, and another thing that I've realized is sometimes I know that they're messing with me, or I know that they're maybe not telling me the truth, 
and I think about like what it is that they're trying to do and I'm like I don't actually care so I just pretend like I believe them yeah like oh okay yeah sounds good and I can see them and they're doing the thing I don't really want them to do but I'm like who cares yeah Having like, that, having you like believe them, yeah, and having you believe them every now and then probably fosters a good kind of confidence where it's like, I guess, I made like, that work. I can get away with things if I lie. <laughs> <laughs> These are the kind of lessons. Yeah, but I mean, you know, true. you get told as a kid not to lie so, like, so hard and fast, don't lie, and then you become an adult and you're like, we lie to each other all the time. Like, yeah. I've, I've probably lied seven times this week just to people that I really care about because Have I you don't. lied to me? Not today. Okay. Not today. Except for uh, the fact that I told you it was stayed pretty cool up here earlier today, and right <laughs> I don't now it's too bad. I just felt the air kick on. Okay, good because yeah. I'm sweating over here in my little hole. But uh, yeah, that I I always try to pad that blow more than anything. So I guess you could call that a white lie. Yeah, it stays cool yeah. up here. It's marginal. So. But no more lying. Don't worry. I'll be honest for the rest of the show. <laughs> so do you have, do you play poker still? Um, I, you know, I haven't had much luck finding people to play with. So I say yes, but I play online, which I feel like is the, that's the Dungeons and Dragons equivalent of, yeah, I play, you know. I'll let you know. And cause we, um, we used to play poker a lot and we've gotten away from it, but we kind of sort of, we, like we've played once. We are like trying to do it more regularly, but. I, don't know. I, I was I would trying love to get to. a comics thing, um, and I did. I was like, okay, here's the time and the day at my house. We're going to even play in my backyard. And one person <laughs> came. I'm like, assholes, you can't, you can't get comics <laughs> to do anything. Not unless it's comedy. And I'm like, oh, I'll have a mic there. You guys can... <laughs> Maybe that's the point. It I know. Bring my PA and just set it up wherever the poker is, and if you win a hand, you get to do one minute. Yeah, you know that's your I that guess. could be your that could be your winnings. But yeah, no, we um, I'll have to let you know when we play next time. You can play with us. Yeah, I love it. I'm not. Uh, I love to gamble, but I'm not one of those people that um, like I don't have a problem with it. Fortunately, mm-hmm. which every gambler that has a problem will tell you that. But yeah. for me, I, I poker was always what I played a lot, and it's like. It's kind of hard to lose a lot of money at poker if you're playing, you know, in, in like a group like you're talking about with like people yeah. that you know. Because like you're not going to have everybody bring 20 bucks to the table and then me show up and be like, I'm in for 500. No, yeah. it's not. We're, we're playing for 20 bucks, you know. Well, yeah, and we usually just do tournament style. So you don't have to. You, hadn't, it, you have to it's stay capped. a long time. Yeah, yeah but, but it's but capped. At the end, two people get money. Yeah, and everybody else gets pissed off and goes home. And that's, yeah. that's poker for you that's right fun. there. Two people get to enjoy it. I... I could tell you right now, if I lived in a city with an active craps table that was too close to my house, that's when I would become a degenerate gambler because I don't understand craps. You know, honestly, I I understand enough of it to play it functionally, but it's a very small amount that I actually understand because there's so many bets. I mean, there's two, three hundred possible bets that you could make on a craps table at any given time. I guess they just tell you, so you don't really have to know, but... I remember, like, coming, I had a friend in town. We we took her to the coast. She wanted to go to a casino. And on the way back, my husband, I, I mentioned, like, I don't even get how craps works. He started explaining it, and we both fell asleep in the car. <laughs> and when I woke up, he was still talking about it. I was like, <laughs> that's a pretty good representation of craps right there, I feel yeah, like. that's what I decided. I'm never going to ask that question again. Also, some of the most fun I've had in a casino, though. I mean, yeah. at all the poker games, you know, I've, I've been fortunate. I, I won a tournament at a casino one time. That paled in comparison to a good night on the craps table just because 
it's one of those games where it's like if you're throwing the dice, pretty much everybody around the table is rooting for you. There might be a couple people that are rooting for you to have a bad throw, but they're still rooting for you, you know. And uh, yeah, no, that's fun. There's a lot of energy. It's and it's one of those games too that I've I've found a little thing about myself. If I show up at a craps table and it's dead and there is no energy and everybody's just kind of keeping to themselves. I will walk away because I always I feel like I always lose my money there. And yeah. when you've got like a 70-year-old lady and like a pink boa dancing and you've got a couple of dudes that are really loud and they're saying stuff like daddy needs a new pair of shoes and like, you know, somebody runs around the table and high-fives everybody after a good throw, I feel like those tables kind of print money more often. I, I There's something to this positive energy thing, I'm telling you. Um, but it's also just, I feel like most of the times I end up at a craps table, I've already been drinking a little bit and I'm just looking for that, that social interaction, you know, and, and as a comedian, every now and then you might have a little funny quip that makes a couple people laugh and you're like, Oh yeah, I own this table, you know? Yeah. (laughs) I wouldn't know anything about that. I don't ever seek attention. Oh, you don't, huh? You're one of those few comedians (laughs) that has the mic in their hand just because it's like a cathartic thing. Yeah. It's for you. I unfortunately... Need attention. So, yeah. yeah. Is that, do you feel like that's uh, something that weighs on you when you go on stage or do you feel like it's something that helps with your performance that kind of that val, because like I seek the validation, my whole thing up there on stage is I want to look at everybody in the room at one point in time and see like a good smile on their face, like I've done something for them. And if I even have two or three or four of those that have kind of stone faced me the whole time, I feel like I failed. Mm. Is that, how do you, how do you approach it? What does it, what does it do for your, for your psyche when you're up there? Uh, what does it do for me? Such a good, I don't know, really. I mean, at first I would be so nervous, you know, Uh, but I don't really get too nervous anymore. Um, But I just, I guess for me, it's figuring out a way, like when I write jokes and stuff to like the best way to tell it. I want to get laughs at every joke. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... I feel like I'm getting better at, at, um, I feel like I'm getting better at writing, you know? So when I first started, I felt like it was a lot of premises without punchlines. And like, sometimes those would be funny, but I'm getting better at, um, trying to focus more on like, where are they actually going to laugh and what do I want to happen? And if they're not, I'm like, okay, I need to think about that one more and figure out how to make that funny or like what I can add to it or take away from it. And so I guess I just enjoy figuring that out, and then mm-hmm. when it works, you're like, "Yeah, I got it," you know. So it's it's it seems like a pretty um, involved writing process for you, where you're kind of analyzing it a lot. It's do you write things out long form, or do you kind of do you bullet point? Do you take notes? How's your how's your writing process? Um, I wish I spent more time writing. Honestly, I'm I'm pretty lazy, but I if I think of something, I just have a space in my phone where I put it. Um, sometimes I don't know. I look at it later. I'm like, I have no idea what I was trying to say there, but, um, (laughs) and then, yeah, I still, one thing is that I'm terrible. I feel like I always have to bring a set list on stage with me. Um, it's like my security blanket or something, but, um, I usually just have, you know, bullet points, Yeah. you know, it'll be like alcoholic, you know, long (laughs) balls or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I, I when I started uh, back up on stage, uh, just you know, this year, the first time that I went on, I was doing some stuff that I had done way back in the day, but I didn't remember at all. And then I also had a few new things I wanted to try, and it was my 
infinite wisdom that I brought up one of these little notepads with me. It's like a, it's like a three inch, maybe two and a half inch by like four inch. I use those. And I have astigmatism and my, my eye doctor at one point in time told me watching TV for you is like watching TV with two books under one side of it. It's tilted. Like your whole world is tilted. So that's why you don't see things far away. They get yeah. fuzzy. And I put this thing down on the stool and I could not see it. And I, I mean, the whole thing went completely off the rails because I was too dedicated to it. And I, uh, recently when I performed down in Medford, I got to the hotel early because I wanted to rehearse and I didn't want to worry about my, my notes on stage. And, uh, you know what I did is I rehearsed in front of a mirror in my underwear for like two hours. And I know that that's kind of like a cliched deal. Like, Oh, imagine the audience naked. Imagine yourself in your underwear, whatever. I've never been so scared into having a good show before because I think I just sat there and looked at that train wreck in the mirror for so long until I hated it enough that I was like, make it good, you know? And then I actually think I had a good show, but I kind of awesome. had to scare myself into it, to be honest. Yeah. So, Yeah, I, um, again, like, I feel like I'm so lazy with writing. It's unfortunate. Like, man, I wonder how... What would happen if I actually put some effort into this? <laughs> <laughs> probably great things yeah, because, I uh, try. you know, yeah. you're already doing great things on stage, though, and I don't want to get too far away. We're, we, you know, I've only asked you for an hour and we're already over the hour mark. So we'll wrap this up soon. This is honestly the, the kind of sad part about today's episode is that this is normally the time where I'd say, let's talk about all the shows you've got coming up. And typically yeah. for you, you would have a whole handful of them that we could chat about, but Things are actively getting canceled. We're recording this on August, what is it, August 10th? Yeah, I think so. And I saw a post today on social media about a, a feature that was coming up that's being moved and and or at least postponed. And, uh, you know, like you said, don't really know how to feel about it right now. But unfortunately, we're not going to have a lot of shows to plug because we don't want to tell you to go someplace and then have that be a ghost town when you actually go out yeah. to see you. So I think... Um the slice mic on Mondays at seven thirty or it's at eight is it's outside, so that'll probably continue. And it's just an open mic, but it's fun. Um, that's a good one to go to. I'm not on this, but uh, there's a Pride thing happening this weekend, I guess. Oh right, um, in Alton Baker Park, mm -hmm. and there's going to be some comics um, performing there, which is, should be fun. Um, so I feel like there's going to be probably some. I wouldn't be surprised if. People are starting to put together some park shows yeah. if things shut down for too long. But we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, uh, is there any place that, uh, like your Instagram, do you have a website? Do you want anybody that might listen to this podcast that wants to find out more about you, where would you send them to? Um, I guess for comedy stuff, I usually, I put a lot of that on Facebook. Um, or Angie Bloomfield. Or, um, yeah, I have an Instagram. It's Bloomsies. Okay. I will, if you don't mind, I'll link both of those in the description so sure. people can find you. And when shows start happening, you're one of the uh, one of the good ones that promotes a lot. I always know when you have a show. Like I said, I was kind of stalking uh, stock your timeline. And if uh, if Angie has a show, listeners of this podcast can find it by going there. And please do, uh, because she uh, you're no slouch. I mean, you're Eugene Weekly's 2020 Comedian of the Year, which uh, is uh, congratulations once again for that. And uh, <laughs> the year that. There was no comedy. <laughs> I'm so proud. Hey, it's on the wall and it's in it's in the it history counts. books. It, it counts. counts. <laughs> and uh, so, what about uh, you know podcasts? I know you have uh, performed on uh, Play It By Year with Dylan yeah, Flynn before, right? I have. Yeah, that's fun. He's awesome. Yeah. I've, I Dylan is one of the one of the people that like. 
when I first talked to him, I hadn't spoken to him in, in like years. And when I had him on the podcast, it was like, it almost made me well up just thinking about like, man, I wish I could give Dylan a hug, oh. you know, cause it's, he's such a great guy and he's so funny and he's so good at what he's doing right now. He's got some plans for me in the future for that podcast that I'm like awesome. way more excited about that than I That's even right. in my own podcast. So. I've never met him. And so, uh, we've only done the stuff on the podcast, like over the phone. Uh huh. So, uh, yeah, we said that we'd probably have to get together after all this, but I haven't had a chance to, so hopefully. Yeah, and it's, it's rough for him because his wife's a, a medical professional, too, so oh, it's like... Yeah, she's got to be careful. Yeah, she's got to be careful. He was one of the first people to get vaccinated, which is always a plus, but, you know, he's. I think that uh, they also have the little kid. It's probably yeah. something where it's it's better safe than sorry, like for most people, you know, but um, I'm... I know that Dylan, he, especially on this podcast, he told me he's like, I'm pretty much done with the stand-up thing, you know, maybe at another time and another place in my life. But if he gets me on that podcast, I'm going to twist his arm hard because there's no reason that we can't see Dylan at a slice, Mike. He only lives down in Roseburg. Like, I'll drive down there and fucking pick him up if I have to <laughs> uh, because he, I, I, you, you need to meet him in person. To, I mean, yeah, you probably got a great, great uh, idea of the guy he is just working with him for the podcast. But yeah, well, and it's funny because he is in a character for that. And so, you know, when we're, I'm waiting to go on live on the air or whatever, and I'm like, oh, he doesn't have a southern accent, I guess. <laughs> like, that's how much I didn't know about him. I'm like, oh, I guess this is a farce. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's fun. He seems like a really good guy. Well, um, we will look forward to seeing you not only on stage, but uh, you'll I, I absolutely will invite you back here because this awesome. has been so fun. And I just really appreciate you taking the time and, and feeling safe enough to come over to my studio. You know, um, I, I think now, honestly, after doing so many of these in person that I'm probably going to end up for a little bit, possibly having to rely on Zoom and Discord again like I did, which is still fun. It just feels weird because I get to like look out into the room and look at you when yeah. we're having this conversation. And when I'm doing it over Zoom, I'm just kind of staring at the computer screen, which I don't think anybody really likes to do. Yeah. I think we all do it, but nobody really enjoys it, you know? So, well, here's hoping that it won't be for too long. Here's hoping. Thank you so much, Angie, for coming on. And, uh, Good luck out there on the stage. Once again, hey. Eugene Comedy. If you're sleeping on it, that's your goddamn fault because I've been talking about it for over a month now and really banging the drum and am going to continue to do so. There's more talent out there than what... If you haven't seen Eugene Comedy for a year, there's more talent out there right now than you could shake a stick at. And I think that's a really special thing to say for a community so small. Um, I hope that the community continues to come together. You know, people accepted me. Like, nobody knew who I was coming back into this and you all have been so cool to me. Hey. You know, you consoled me the night that a woman absolutely broke my entire well-being on stage <laughs> and just tore me into a pile of garbage. Oh, and no. was that a slice? Yeah, yeah. yeah and you that, like, you were really nice to me that. And there was a couple of of comics that came up to me after that and were like, "Hey, man," and I was like, "No, it's I was still way in the wrong." And I appreciate your guys's uh, condolences and everything, but I lost my cool. Uh, and uh, it's fine. I mean, people. It's just annoying when that happens. So we have all. Had to deal with annoying oh, yeah. audience members. So And as, as Seth and I discussed, I sat between the two worst offenders that night. Like one was on my right and one was on my left. And oh, I really? normally for those shows, you know, six or seven people before me, I start looking at my notes and I start trying to formulate and start making sure that I'm prepared. 
the only thing I did was stare at the side of these two women's heads you're and like, just stew for yeah, <laughs> every like, comedian. So, yeah. That's so funny. Yeah, so we're trying not to do any more of that, but uh, check check Angie out at the Slice Mic on Monday nights, and then when it comes back uh, with our guests from last episode, Amuse Days at Lucky's, Chaz Logan Hyde puts that show on, and uh, you can catch Angie out there as well, as well as on a litany of bills once these shows start happening again. Uh, that's the Man Room Podcast. What did you think? I know you weren't intimidated when you came here. No, it was great. I, I was like, Man Room? I think it was like, you're like what are those called? Juggies? <laughs> yeah, like, from this? the Man Show. That's, yeah, I was yes. like, is that, what, kind, what kind of show is this? But um, no, I asked around and then I watched some and I'm like, okay, okay, I can do that. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, uh, I've i had a couple people tell me like, you know, you're calling it the Man Room in 2021 probably yeah. isn't like the best thing. And I was like, I know, but... This is what this little area is. It's not about the people that are in it. It's about like when when we bought this house, my wife looked up here in this room and she goes, oh, great, that can be your man room. And I was like, I love that. I'll yeah. keep my fridge and my drums. And as I always say, my blood pressure cuff because well, I am 36. So if you, if you had children, you would not have a man room. Exactly. It would be a kid room. And yeah. that would be an even worse idea for a podcast. So one guy told me the man room kind of sounds like a podcast about a gay bar. And I said, I feel I like, like if it's a cool enough gay bar, it's probably a pretty good podcast, you know? So that's all I'm trying to do yeah. is trying to have a cool gay bar up here. Okay. So, <laughs> Well, good luck, to, good luck with that. I hope that works out for you. Thank you so much. Angie Bloomfield, everybody. That's the Man Room Podcast. We will see you next week. Thanks for listening. And... Transmission. <laughs> <laughs>